So I'm laughing because just like first year, I got the back row guys. <laughs> Hi, back row guys. <laughs> uh, so hello, fabulous class of 2015. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's wonderful to see all of you. And uh, I am very, very honored to have been asked to give the charge of the class. You guys stand here with one foot still in the law school and the other ready to walk on the path that you've next chosen for yourselves. Um, and I think most, well now all of you since the announcement know that I'm also leaving at the end of the spring semester and so I think I'm feeling a lot of what you all must be feeling which is a lot of nostalgia to stay and a little bit restless to go. Um, what I'm also feeling is nervous, so forgive me my malaprops and uh, confusion. I, I, talking to so many of you at once is like arguing on uh, banc appeal when you're used to the three-judge panel. Um, when I had my, in fact, I'll tell you, I wasn't going to tell you a story, but I will. So when I was my first, <laughs> I always said that. Uh, when I was a, my very first appeal, I was only, I was two years out of law school, and I had a Fourth Circuit appeal, and I'm sitting there with my partner, uh, and the appellant goes, we were appellee, and the appellant talks. It was 30-minute arguments at that time in the Fourth Circuit. That's how old I am. And uh, it was my turn to get up, my very first appeal. I'm nervous. And, and in a moment of, I guess, attempt to show support, the partner leans over as I'm getting ready to stand up and says, this is when I always want to throw up. <laughs> and with that, I walk to the podium, may it please the court. So uh, anyway, I feel a little bit like that now. But uh, I see all these faces out here that are so familiar to me. And that helps to calm me. Um, I've had the great fortune of teaching four sections, so some 120 of you, sections C, D, E, and G. I don't know why they skipped over F for me, but maybe some of you Fers could tell me that at some point. Uh, but I got to know, that was not purposeful by the way. To know others of you, some of you from those other sections through Pila, Balsa, and uh, also from being Dillard's for other uh, law, law, uh, legal research and writing professors. Um, and I wish, I really, I wish I could have taught all of you. Um, well, I don't wish I could have read, what, 360 times 2, 720 memos and then briefs on negligent wrongful adoption. Um, <laughs> And by the way, for the record, I have never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> but I do wish I could have interacted with all of you. It, it's really a pleasure to teach, and every section has its own personality. So section C uh, had a lot of personality. Uh, section D was, was my thoughtful and somewhat quiet section, but we still had fun. Uh, section E was my friendly and personable section. Um, yeah, a lot of office hour visits from section E. And section uh, G, section G, section 
section G had two very different views of my class. There were some people who were all in, and there were some not so much. Uh, but you know what? I enjoyed, I really did enjoy all of it. Uh, Moreover, luckily for me, I have gotten to know a little bit about some of the rest of you through the stories on the web pages, through writing in Law Weekly, through your donations to PILA, where you offered athletic, artistic, or musical talents to others, uh, through your participation in extracurricular activities like SBA, or street law, or Virginia Law Women. Uh, or through uh, Libel Show, where I got to see the amazing musical uh, acting and singing talents of, of this graduating class. Uh, and it was my awe of this range of your talents and my glimpse into you as not just a law student, but as something much more that caused me to think about all you will be taking with you to your professional lives along with your JD degree. As you embark on your next steps, I want to encourage you to remember the whole self you came here with and you've now added to, and to encourage you to stay true to that unique self and your priorities. To think about the imprint you made here, whether large or small, and the imprint you will make in the future to other institutions and communities. To stay true to yourself, of course, means you have to know yourself, your own priorities, skills, and motivations. I know the word is overused, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to use it. I hope you all can stay authentic professionally. Life can get so crazy and work can get so busy that we often forget to check in with ourselves and remind ourselves of who we are and what we really care about. I know law students, and even 3L law students, can easily buy into the idea that their GPA is the only measure that reflects their potential for professional success. But that is simply not true. As many of you have learned from your summer jobs or your extracurricular activities, you bring other things besides your academic prowess to your jobs. So don't misunderstand me, those of you who have done well academically should be extremely proud of your achievement. But once you leave here, your GPA, whatever it is, will only be the starter piece of your larger professional puzzle. And what that puzzle will look like is going to differ for each one of you depending on your own talents and goals. Try not to see yourself, whether you've done very well academically or not, as only the sum of the exams you've taken and the papers you have written. All of you, by matriculating here and graduating next month, have learned to think critically, process material efficiently, and communicate effectively. Upon those skills of greater or lesser magnitude, you're going to add your own personality, whether you're tenacious or timid, an extrovert, introvert, whether you're a risk taker or a risk avoider, whether you're economically motivated or mission motivated or some combination of these or other things. In figuring out your professional fit, it's tempting to listen to conventional wisdom about what we should do and what we should want. 
I hope you'll seek out your own path. And when I say that, I don't mean it has to be a new path. I just mean your path. It's perfectly fine if it's a well-trodden one. I actually know lawyers who are partners in big law firms and enjoy their job. I also know public defenders who have worked tirelessly for many years and have not burned out. And I even know a few lawyers who do not secretly wish they could just be law professors. <laughs> in my experience, it is hard not to let other lawyers' impressions and preferences become your own. Try to listen to yourself by staying connected to yourself. Decisions are much easier if you know your honest likes and dislikes. For example, uh, over the years, I've had students come to my office from time to time asking for my help in deciding their 2L summer job, which, as you know, is a much larger decision than just the summer. And often it would be a decision between two firms, although not always, but often. And I came to realize that with a couple of open-ended questions, I could pretty much ferret out which choice the student wanted to make and which choice the student thought she should make. And once that became clear, I would always encourage the student to take the choice that she wanted to make. Sometimes that meant going to New York City and working for a big firm, and sometimes that meant going to a smaller firm closer to home. To me, it was never about the right choice. It was always about the right choice for that student. I am very supportive of the idea of making decisions with your gut. Because to me, that does not mean making a quick or irrational decision. It means checking in with yourself to see what fits. So in other words, when it comes to your professional decisions, I eschew the reasonable person standard, and I am all about the eggshell plaintiff. <laughs> so, as you leave law school and start another chapter of your life story, remember that it is indeed your life story and no one else's. And while it might be exciting for your story to be a bestseller, the most satisfied people I know are those who want to read their own story themselves. Ralph Waldo Emerson is quoted as saying, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. This observation is as true in the law as anywhere, so be yourself because work in those long hours, it's exhausting to do anything else. So, however, while I do think one needs to be oneself, that doesn't mean you shouldn't and can't have a professional self in addition to your personal self that also reflects who you are. We all need professional selves because once we agree to enter a particular professional world, whatever it is, that professional world places certain demands on us that we must answer. So whether you're in a job that feels like a great fit or not, while you are there, please always take care of your professional self. By this, I don't mean eat well, sleep well, and exercise. Um, and look at me. But I mean, you should always care about working with purpose. We can't bounce out of bed with excitement every day, but we can take care of our professional selves every day. And here's where knowing your professional self and taking care of your, uh, uh, sorry, knowing your personal self and taking care of your professional self merge.
doing what you do best to the best of your ability, if you do that in conjunction with keeping an eye out for opportunities, and if those opportunities aren't apparent, if you can do a workaround and figure out ways to make yourself happy outside or around your lawyering, then you're going to be fine. I know you've been admonished time and time again to find your passion and act on it. To me, that just that feels like a lot of pressure. Not all of us can feel a deep passion for something we can translate into work, either because we love something we can't translate into work, or because we have other limitations that prevent us from acting on our passion alone. If you have a passion and you can act on it, that's amazing and that's a great gift. But if you can't, that doesn't mean that you can't feel highly motivated in your work or that you're destined for a dull professional life. If you're not able to act on a passion, you can still be engaged. Work hard, indulge one or two of your interests, and good things will happen. And I say this from experience. I've really seen it time and time again. The vast majority of my friends, and I have quite a few lawyer friends, thanks to my husband who have actually graduated from this very institution, uh, have settled into jobs that suit them pretty well. I would say that they are content. Their jobs range from government appointments to partners in law firms to prosecutors, professors, and civil rights attorneys. Some of my friends, including my husband, don't practice law at all. They're in politics, they work as investment bankers, they run their own companies, act as consultants or financial managers, they've become high school teachers, they work in development, or they have positions as high-level administrators in nonprofits or in higher education, or they may work on the Hill for senators or in a high-level position for a congressional committee. Most of them did not envision themselves in the current job when they sat where you now sit on the brink of getting their JD degrees. Some of them had student loans, limited resources, and other family obligations that constrained their choices. And let's face it, some of them, like me, did not get the first job that they applied for. My friends started out either with the job they wanted or with a job that fit for that time. And you should start there too because life is long. But as you're moving along in your professional lives, try not to float along but swim. I know almost none of us have complete control over our careers, but always within your control are your work ethic, your sense of responsibility, and your professional pride. I really urge you to guard your professional pride, your professional reputation, zealously. As the contemporary American author Elizabeth Gilbert has written, happiness is the consequence of personal effort. You fight for it, strive for it, insist upon it, and sometimes even travel around the world to find it. You have to participate relentlessly in the manifestations of your own blessings. Work like a monk or a mule or some other representative metaphor for diligence. Love the work. Love the process. Destiny will do what it wants with you regardless. 
But here's the thing I've noticed in my 25 plus years since graduating from law school. When you are value added to an enterprise, doors truly do open and opportunity eventually knocks. Sometimes it's through a side door, like a friend of mine who was a partner in a private practice and was feeling a little restless. So she started doing some pro bono work on some issues she cared about. Through doing that pro bono work, she met an attorney who was working in private practice as well. But that other attorney got eventually appointed to the White House, remembered my friend, and asked her to come along. That had been my friend's dream job for years, and she happed upon it in a very circuitous route. Or take my husband, who went out of private practice and started a, a small business and law firm and went down to South America to drum up some business, and his official meetings were not particularly successful. But he loves the outdoors and loves to travel, and so he took a few extra days to hike around uh, in the mountains. And during that time, he met some other hikers who were directors of a big company, hired my husband, and there he was, off to the races. Sometimes opportunity knocks right at the front door because you're working hard for other people, you're working for clients, you're working to do deals, you're working with co-counsel, and those people value your work and ask you to join their team. Sometimes opportunity doesn't knock at all, you have to ring the bell, and that's when you go and you apply for other jobs and you do your networking thing. Uh, and that's great, but just remember while you're doing that, you still need references from the people you are working for at that moment. So you've got to continue to guard your professional reputation. And finally, I want to tell you that in my experience, sometimes when you're working hard and looking for other opportunities to happen, you will grow into the job you have. You'll start to get more responsibility, you'll start to feel better about it, you may move a little bit in one direction or the other, and suddenly that job fits you and you're pretty comfortable right where you are. But however you get from one chapter to the next in your professional life story, try to have a hand in the writing of it yourself. Finally, I want to acknowledge that your third year has had some upsetting moments. And you have had more than your share of events that have brought issues of sex, race, autonomy, and safety to the forefront. I know from reading the Law Weekly and talking to some of you students that these events have created some very strong differences of opinion among you. But these people who sit beside you are the ones who will, some of the ones who will know you the best because of your shared law school experience and the experiences you will have after law school. These are some of the people who will congratulate you if you marry, will congratulate you if you have children, will congratulate you when you land an exciting job. These are some of the people who will circle around you when health issues inflict you or your family members. And these are, I'm telling you, some of the people who will help you professionally. And if this school is not the place where we can talk about these issues, learn to talk about these issues, and come to a place where we can talk about it with respect for one another 
and figure out a common solution, then I really don't know where these sorts of issues get their due. And in this regard, and in this regard only, I hope some of you will look back on some of these socially charged events and see them as, in some small way, adding to your law school experience and not only detracting from it. Many people have noted a variation of the idea that life is only 10% about what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. So it's our reactions to life events that create our life experiences. I know for my part, and I speak from the heart, when I say that I have learned immeasurable amounts from all of you, it's the part of my leaving UVA that's going to be the hardest for me. I thank all of you who let me be vulnerable and honest in my interactions and observations so that I could learn from you. And I include all of you on both sides of the political aisle who have taught me to see my world in a more thoughtful way. It sounds cliche, but it's the truth. And so, class of 2015, I charge you to approach your profession full on with knowledge of your own strengths and limitations and with realistic goals and aspirations. I charge you to work with purpose, to find jo joy in a job well done, to seek out work and life experiences that match your interests and priorities, to check in with yourself periodically to make sure you're still on the right path, and to let faith take you the rest of the way. And finally, I charge you to try to respect and appreciate your fellow classmates and faculty, stay in touch with them, rely on them, and come together every now and again to share the life stories we are all still in the process of writing. Thank you.